Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. Welcome along to the football show. Stevie and Conan are here as usual on a Thursday. So the GPS kit has landed, um, Conan. Stevie, you're not going to know what we're talking about no. here. But we've been sent in a GPS uh, tracker and myself and Conan were asked what we could do with it and we said, Asher, look, we'll, we'll, um, we'll both wear it. Yeah. So I'm going to wear it in an intermediate match um, whenever I'm picked to start for them. <laughs> There's a match on Sunday morning, but Conan's wearing it first. So, Conan, you have details about this GPS um, thing anyways, yeah. tracker. From our good friends at Statsport. Um, so they, they measure 14 Have they given us to this, this, by the way, or we just, or have they borrowed this to us? Do we, is this We're our still trying to figure that out. It's okay. sitting in the office. And like, okay, well, they're, they're not getting it back. Are they looking for <laughs> they're, not getting, they're not they're getting it back. This is <laughs> property of Port Leash GA Club right yeah. now. Well, it measures 14 different metrics, but I think the ones that we look at and what most people look at, speed, distance, accelerations... Well, uh, I think I, I know he's going to win the speed part already. So do I, will he? <laughs> I'm 40, lads. I'm 40 now. I'm still nippy enough, but like, I mean, I'd be very interested. I'm interested in it straight away of wearing one, seeing the intensity runs, basically yeah. seeing on a spreadsheet what the inter-county players are seeing now. And I think that's yeah. good for the podcast. We'll explain exactly what inter-county players, the feedback they're getting off this. So like how hard it is for them in real life. <laughs> yeah, but I was, I was actually talking, thinking about this. Like, I mean, what do you want to do? Do you want to go out and try to bullshit the GPS by consistently running and getting a huge distance yeah. covered? But that's obviously going to affect your high-intensity runs. So, like, I mean, y- you're, you just go out and play your own game or else yeah. you're only fooling yourself. Like, you're not going to try and get... like, And plus, Conan plays wing forward there's a good chance at my age I'll be in the full forward line so like I mean I'd be hoping that my distance covered won't be that high but my high intensity runs will be very sharp runs runs will be so all that stuff like it's really interesting analysis Mm. 
and <coughs> delighted that we can have it and maybe in the future we can ask an intercounty player to use our GPS tracker for a match well, how great would that be and see the difference then between what we were doing <laughs> and what they were doing no no Thir- just 13 kilometres compared to 5 do you think we'd be do you think we'd be able to ask a player to wear it for, for our use for our stats oh, on the show they would wouldn't they well, I don't, it's hard to know. Well, they, well, these are very expensive pieces of kit. Yeah. So obviously, we'd share the information with the management team, but we get access to it. Mm. Jesus, yes, lads. Yeah, I like that. Does like the manager want to give you access to anything? Well, like that? then they don't get the GPS. You see, that's it. <laughs> yeah, but so they all have their own. Would, so they, uh, would they all be wearing them? Uh, they only image. No, well, some counties might only have one to share around. That's nah, the thing. I wouldn't think so. I think most of them nowadays would be fully catered out a lot of club teams are fully catered out with them so I'd say most county teams for are a, for a GPS yep. per player yeah per player Jesus that's not what and I know Leach definitely don't well have that Burn do and every game their, their players are wearing them every single game right okay that's interesting I think I heard one of the Leach lads saying that they have one or two and they share them around different yeah. games like yeah. I mean, but that's <coughs> they are the, expansive the there's, there's no denying that they're not expansive but um, in the modern game I would expect that every county team hurling and football both um, would have them yeah, because I think maybe obviously th- just uh, companies like Stat Sports, Stat yeah. Sports uh, might just give them out for that. You know what I mean to use to use them and maybe to get the mentions and get yeah. their names out there. There's a great I'm picture for them. Remember after the Armagh game, Tyrone hammered Armagh, and Sean Cavanaugh was just walking off, and that's all he was wearing was this like vest, and it just said Stat Sports. Oh, did it say that? Great bit of advertising. All right. Well, I'll take my jersey off after the intermediate match too. Keep it on, please. Just just wear the vest out over your jersey. You wear it with shoe on Monday, then just wearing the vest. All right. Okay. Yeah. Might just during the summer just wear it around like like a little kind of upper body sports. Try to get the stats up. Right, so heading, the G- heading down to oxygen. The GPA <laughs> statement, yeah. The GPA GPA have released a statement anyway, so they're not happy about not um, not getting the seat on the CCCC, which they wanted to do at Congress. They were just blown out of the water with ninety percent voted against it. The outcome of the vote on the GPA motion of con- Congress on Saturday was very disappointing. We feel this is an opportunity missed by the GEA. The GPA wants to play its part in helping to reform and improve fixtures an issue that impacts very directly on our members and something we all care passionately about. A seat at the CCCC would have helped us to shape that change. All makes sense to me. That's not the whole statement I've just given, uh, maybe the first part of it. Like, I mean, the reality of this is GPA are routinely laughed out of it at Congress. They release a statement, say they're not happy, and then they just take their medicine and they just move on. And that's it. There was no mention of the the Dublin in uh, playing two Super 8 games, which for me impacts their members way way more and that's just been completely brushed under the carpet the, the, like I mean the reality is the GPA are not taken seriously anymore as a players union that's the, the Crow Park are no longer afraid of them Crow Park used to be terrified of them to the point where they're giving them the type of money that they're giving them so that they don't have to be afraid of them and that's the reality and now the, now the problem is that players don't have a union they have a players welfare department within the GEA which is the GPA and the work the GPA does for inter-county players shouldn't really be underestimated because they do a lot of good work but that's the reality like stop calling them a union they're not just not a union anymore they're not so now the player, inter-county players are stuck in limbo with no union only to have a union the CPA the CPA is a union CPA does not have anywhere near the clout the GPA have unfortunately because it represents club players who generate no income for the GEA and that's what yeah. scares the GEA we all know that 
So I spoke with one CPA representative a while ago and I told him that they're completely missing a trick here, completely. That the CPA have a huge opportunity to become the players' union for club and inter-county. All they need to do is go around to every single inter-county squad, give them a presentation, explain to them how these club fixtures are impacting on them because everybody forgets inter-county players are club players too. This club mess is their mess. Yeah. They're all the same. So if they go around every inter-county squad, sign all those inter-county players up, then they represent everyone. The GPA becomes a complete waste of time. They can continue as a union, a waste of time as a union, I just want to stress, that they can continue on as they're going. Now you'll find and see their funding won't, from the GEA won't be as big if they're not, you know what I mean, if they don't have the same clout. But at the same time, then the CPA is the Gaelic Players Union of Ireland. Everyone. And wouldn't that be great? And then they can start standing up to the GEA on issues regarding players because they're not dependent on their money. Do you think inter-county managers are going to allow the CPA to come in and do why? presentations to, to well, the teams? Well, I don't know why because, like, I mean, this inter-county managers can be very selfish, and we know that they are selfish, and they want the players for their time. And clubs, a lot of the time, doesn't come into the equation, so they don't really give two hoots about the clubs well, as long as they are getting access to well, their here, players here's on their point, time. Here's a point: the April for club is not suiting GA managers at all. Hmm. So if the CPA have a solution for that. And all they want to do is give a presentation to their to their players after training to sign them up. And all you have to do is sign them up. All this needs is the threat of having these lads on board. Like that's that shows the yeah. difference. So I don't see why managers because I think intercounty managers they're all gales at the end of the day. Everybody wants this club situation fixed. Yeah. And what keeps getting forgotten is that the intercounty players are club players. Mm. I, is this thing bigger than the CCCC? Because like they they set the fixtures obviously, and then they appoint referees and they review match footage. That's their whole mission or whatever. But they're told that the all the final has to be at this time, and then they're told that in that time from January until the end of August, you have to bring in a national league and you have to fill in the provincial championships and and then finish off the all Ireland championship with a super eight. So they're they just trying to sort of manage all that, given what they're given, but they can't change the structure does the whole structure have to be changed before they can do a more effective job like I was just wondering what would a GPA person well, achieve think, being think, on the CCCC I think they would obviously insist that the Sigerson final isn't on the same day as an all yeah well it's something like, like that has would be, be good, yeah. like there's obviously little things like that that they can help and I don't know what huge revolution they can do yeah. but having a seat on it for me would be a step in the right direction I think they quoted Australian rules where that happens a representative is on it yeah. and it directly affects players little just I'd say they might clean up little stuff that we go Jesus yeah. would they not have done that that yeah. they might be able to stand up I don't they, they're not going to revolutionise the whole yeah. fixtures that has to be fixed with a new with a new programme but you they know? can make it better at least they could probably make little, thing, little things better from a player welfare mm. point of view because as we know the GPA is not a players union anymore it's a player welfare uh, department, which still has a role, and I've no problem with that. I just wish they'd rebrand. And I think if the GPA, you know, rebranded, their PR would be so much better. Stop calling yourself something you're not, because that's what we're criticising you about. Do you yeah. know what I mean? If just say player welfare department, take care of the intercounty players, which they do. I yeah. wish, what can you complain about them then? 
It's yeah. that we're expecting them to stick up for players when they're not capable of doing it, and that's where they're getting all yeah. the bad PR from. And to be honest, when I saw like GPA statement after Congress, I was Me like, too. "Oh, here we go!" Yeah. I thought there was going to be a Crook Park thing in here. Do you know what I thought? Oh, fair play to Paul Flynn; he's really taking them on here. But um, yeah, it was just about fixtures. Yeah, no, <laughs> not about wa- players. Yeah, it wasn't. So Tommy Walsh is back, lads, and he was interviewed after the game. We didn't mention Tommy Walsh, and he deserved a nomination for Player of the Weekend because he was very good. Um, in the game he really put himself about and looked like he was really up to it and he was saying I was never going to uh, uh, he was asked about whether it was on his mind about going back and we had him on the show last year when he was playing well for Cairns or Ratleys yeah. and he was like ah look I'm I'm happy enough playing with the club and I'm not thinking about that and he's obviously covering himself in case Peter Keane Keen yeah. didn't actually ring him mm-hmm. but he did ring him he says I was never going out with my club trying to get back in the Kerry squad I was happy um, with where I was playing good football with Strand Road um, and that was enough for me but then Peter got on to me and I was surprised to get the call but maybe the next time they'll ring me is to collect footballs I don't have too many years left obviously so it's a, so this chance is great like I mean I don't think he looked too far out of the game uh, against Galway uh, Stevie I think he still has plenty to give he's a great pair of hands Absolutely. and it's unfortunate with the advance mark isn't in for the championship so we don't get to see yeah. him doing that all that often his shooting boots aren't really on at the moment but I think he's he yeah, maybe trying a bit, a bit too rusty, hard because he is an accurate player yeah. you've played yeah. if you've played play, in play, special play with him yeah and what age is he? He's 30, 31. 31, 31 yeah, yeah, so he's just still turns. a very young player, you know. So, And he's got a hell of a lot to offer that Kerry team um, in terms of his physical size, his power, you know. And yes, if he can get his accuracy working. Uh, but he's an accurate player, he is, a good, he is a good player. But what but I'm he, saying I'm is, it's accurate. early in the season and, and he's yeah. just a wee bit rusty, and that's all it is. And well, that's it. Because, no, the reason I'm asking you is because we were talking about this on the podcast on Monday, and he's like, he's not much of a scorer. But I always remember oh, him. he's he got is, great yeah, control yeah. over the ball, doesn't he? And Absolutely. And, and the season that I, I actually maybe played two seasons with him at international rules and he, he was scoring heavily in them a couple of games as well so he is a prolific player you know go back to the All-Ireland series of 2008 himself and Donaghy caused mayhem in the full forward line for, for Kerry so yeah. um, <clears throat> you know you're not con- going to cause mayhem if you haven't got the ability to create opportunities in front of goal and he certainly has that and with, with some of the, the talent the David Clifford's of, of this world playing off of, of a player of his ability and, and size and physique you know it, it only bodes well for Kerry and it was great to see him back playing Yeah it, it was great to see him back playing He says, and he started talking about those young fellas you're talking about Sean O'Shea he says absolutely guys like Sean O'Shea Thomas Sullivan Brian, Brian Begley that's Brian Brino Bugloff, yeah. right? So yeah, just in case uh, Brian Begley's just weird <laughs> when you say that. Um, these are c- the kind of fellas that are driving it, and yeah. some of the time they are dragging the older fellas along. I just thought that was an incredible thing to have a look at Sean O'Shea, Thomas Sullivan, Brian Bugloff, y- and they're driving them yeah. on. Young Great. players coming into a setup, young players that are used to winning coming into a setup, you know, really drive a team forward and and provided him with a lot of energy which Sean O'Shea in particular I think I've been very very impressed with him uh, so far in the league campaign Tom O'Sullivan uh, attacking from wing half back is uh, an exceptional player as well yeah. you know they, they have players who are driven and hungry and have tasted a lot of success at underage level and now they want to taste that type of success at, at senior level as well I'll give you an example of it <coughs> Last year with with Bourne, we've had a couple of players that come up from minor grade up in the senior grade, and they won. They dominated underage football in, in down for years. They won ev- absolutely every trophy that they could ever win. Never lost a championship game, and it was the younger players that actually drove the Bourne team on to win a county championship last year because those players had a winning mentality like the young Kerry players that have got a winning mentality and it was those players that were talking about what are you talking, what's the fear of going to win a championship we've never lost championship games so Kerry 
those young players are used to winning championship games and they're bringing that excitement into Kerry football as well and it will be interesting to see how they cope with that come championship Yeah it is an injection of confidence I suppose but a lot of those Kerry players won in All-Ireland in 14 do you know what I mean yeah. they know how to win All-Irelands too so when you, they say they're driving it I'm just wondering kind of what he means by that because I do take your point in with the Leach Miners in 96, 97, mm-hmm. 98 we came up to senior and I thought we kind of brought a, a a, co- a confidence and a cockiness to that well, squad the early, early well, 90s Leash were very yeah, but I don't think we were driving it it still was the older lads driving it if you know what I mean yeah. but we might have brought that little mm. bit extra to the pl- thing that wasn't yeah. there before I, I thought Tommy himself would be driving it because he's only played four seasons with Kerry do you, know, you think he would have that freshness and now he's back in after another two years out and yeah. it seems like his career like almost a little bit of disappointment for GA fans because remember 2008 he was Unbelievable! Like any yep. won Young Player of the Year, and obviously yeah, it was but amazing. Then he was snapped up straight away by the Aussie Rules. Yeah, I remember he won the league the next year. He destroyed Derry in the final. Actually, I remember he played that. 09 Yeah, he yeah. scored four in the final in, the in final, 09 Yeah, yeah. they have a bad game against Dublin, maybe in the quarters. He got brought off early in that game, but then obviously he went away. Came back 2015. Didn't start in the final against Dublin, so it was all sort of stop start for him. And now he's back, as you say. You sort of want him to be that enthusiastic mm-hmm. guy, even though yeah. he's 31. But like he's still got plenty of miles left I'd say yeah it's hard to know it's hard to know what driving it on means is it yeah. the talker, yeah. talkers in the dress room no, I, is it I, the drivers talkers in it. training it's, just, it's it? just the energy that they bring to the training yeah. sessions and mm. the youthfulness and, and, and the speed at which, which they want to play and they play with, with, with absolutely total freedom no fear So and, and they don't care who their opponents are they just quite an express themselves yeah. and that filters through the older guys as well I think that gives them that re- rejuvenates them yeah. maybe so there's some stats on Dublin and Crow Park here right so Stevie we know your thoughts on Dublin and Crow Park. You'd no problem playing Dublin yeah. Crow Park, probably because you always beat them in Crow Park, and they weren't playing league games there, and it, w- it wasn't the same picture. And I do understand your point. And Colm O'Rourke's similar, and I think it's fellas of a generation before they started playing all so many, such a high percentage of games, yeah. and they're they're so good now. I think that the the stats fairly back up now what people are concerned about so of the 95 games under Frank Roach had this in the independent of the 95 games under Jim Gavin 70 of them have been played in Crow Park 73.7% of games like there was a crazy stat that Bernard Brogan hadn't played outside Crow Park until they went to Nolan Park that was three years ago like I mean just unbelievable Championship, yeah. so they've played 35 out of 56 league games in Crow Park which is in about right halfway because some year, you know, years you have four home games some years you have three but they yeah. would have been playing league finals there and they've played 35 of 39 championship games there now, this is just a, beyond beyond belief right Dublin have won 60 drawn 5 and lost and lost 5 of the 70 games that they've played at Croke Park won 60 drawn 5 lost 5 at 87 85.7% winning ratio like I mean that's absolutely incredible so that's the that's the 70 uh, being played in Croke Park, right? Of the other remaining 25 games that have been played outside Croke Park, they've won 16, drawn 4 and lost 5. Now, they have the exact same amount of losses from 25 away games as they have from 70 home games in Croke Park. Now, that can't be sniffed at either. And if you actually break that down, they've won 16 and they've failed to lose 9. Or they've won, six, they've won 16 and failed to win 9 of 25 games that is a big big thing now obviously league is difficult 
to gauge but it's all it's the, the, the Crow Park games are difficult to gauge you don't know where Dublin are at and the away games are difficult because you don't know where Dublin are at so the whole thing in its entirety yeah. can be read into you know <laughs> what I mean because you're looking at you could use examples of Dublin being unfit going to Monaghan and losing but then you can also use the same thing you know what I mean I, I think the earlier you know in the league campaign teams are more pumped and psyched and, and prepared to play Dublin and they're coming back off team holders whatever and that's probably when a lot of those results have gone against them but it's it's the more that they are together yeah it is striking though because I, I know they drew with Donegal away in the last round under Jim McGuinness mm. one year when it was a really important game so that's one when they were at full yeah. throttle and I know they drew with Tyrone in a mid-season league game I think that was in, actually in Croke Park but the point I'm making here 87 like this these stats are not lying so 85.7% 160 drawn 5 lost 5 of 60 games in Croker of 25 outside Croker they've won 16 and failed to win 9 mm. that's a stark contrast in fortunes in Crow Park and not in Crow Park it is and it's the only sort of thing that you can go on because you can literally count in one hand how many times they played outside Crow Park in the championship four times four so yeah. yeah what was it Nolan Park <coughs> twice Port Leash once and Oma yeah you know, it's only one real challenge in those, and they they won it in fairness to them. But yeah. one game where they might have lost, they wouldn't have lost the other games, no matter how many times they played it. So no. we only got one sample for the championship games away from home. Um, whereas in the league, you've got a, a bigger sample size, so that's the only yeah. thing you can really go off. And I know you're, you're right; it is the league, and they can get caught. And you know, there are different stages of training and whatever else. So. Yeah, and other teams are too, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't know. Like I mean, I mm-hmm. think everything being equal. And we know Dublin might go on a holiday in January, but at the same time, every team might bloody do fierce, difficult, you know, stamina training in January. You don't, you know what I mean? You don't know where teams yeah. are at. So, like, if if you don't know where every team is at, we can we can see these. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can read into these stats, and there's a huge advantage there. I think, the, yeah, the thing is here, it's just important to point out, like, what home advantage means. Like, it is it is an advantage. It's called home advantage in for every a sport. Yeah. Like, yeah, in every sport. Like, none of us will ever. I know you don't like qualifying. We're not disputing that Dublin would ever win any of these All Irelands, but it does show that home advantage matters and that's why the GA and the GPA and everybody else should care about it and try to make it more fair. Yeah, so Sean Shanley, the Dublin chairman, <coughs> was talking during the week and he said, interestingly enough, he said, we would we would have our own stadium, we would have, we would have had a stadium of our own years ago if Croke Park wasn't in our county. Croke Park wouldn't give us grants to build a stadium and take away from Croke Park. That's where we're at. Now, that's interesting in itself. Yeah. The Crow Park will give other counties grants. Now, I think Dublin have enough money of their own anyway. Mm-hmm. They paid nine million for the spa well. That's sitting there in Temple Oak. They spent nine million in 2017. But like, I mean, if if Crow Park won't give them grants because if they build a, a thirty thousand seater stadium, the they're Crow taking Park's it. Not be used, it, yeah. it just goes goes to show how much they need Dublin International Stadium and how this situation will never really be fixed <laughs> because. They're the cash cow. Yeah. They're dependent <coughs> on them. They're giving them the national stadium as their home ground and don't want them to move out. <laughs> like there's two like it, there's two of them in it. Like I mean Dublin clearly happy with this situation. We don't have to spend on a stadium. On a stadium yeah. We're getting the advantage of playing all our games in Crow Park. Crow Park don't want them to leave and don't want them to build their own ground in case it takes away. For example, Crow Park could be worried that a national league final, for example, if Kerry and Mayo got into it. Like, would that be better served in this smaller stadium 
than it would in Croke Park and would they yeah. have to play a Dublin County board to actually <laughs> to, ha- to stage the game yeah. there so I can see why Croke Park wouldn't give them grants and the cost of building a whole stadium they, they need Dublin they play in Croke Park they pay for the mess that is Cork Stadium and they keep doing that I don't know it's a terrible mess it's a terrible terrible mess and the, the losers in this whole situation are the players who are sacrificing so much of their lives to give us enjoyment during the summer and the, the integrity of the competition they play in is seriously compromised based on money and for me that's completely completely wrong a uh, bit of news today there's Nigel Dunn has dropped off the Offaly panel lads and Nigel Dunn was in, pro- in had issues with Stephen Wallace as well he would have been um, one of the reasons that kind of broke up or I think there was some issues between himself and Stephen Wallace so now it's understood that tension has been simmering in the background between Dunn and John Mohan and it's believed to have boiled over on Tuesday night with the Shamrocks attacker uh, leaving the squad I don't know when I look at these kind of things lads and I I can't ever talk about this because I dropped off loads of panels and you know just he's not on the team he was away with his club only came back I don't know when I look at this I look at geez Nigel Dunn would you just stay in another couple of games and then I think to myself you did the very same thing what are you talking about and I wasn't at that time I didn't care about the advice people were giving me I was like I'm being wronged he's not picking me and I don't know why and I just I have no interest in staying here Mm -hmm. and looking back I I have no doubt half of Leash don't like me and I have no problem with that but it's clearly like there's. it's obvious that all this thing dropping off squads it doesn't reflect very well on you as a person that you don't have that kind of work ethic to put your head down shoulder to wheel take your medicine and work your way back into the team I never did that I just yeah. got the hell out of there and I can clearly see it's wrong because I'm a little bit annoyed with Nigel Dunn here <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? it's, yeah, you're getting older now yeah. but, but it's wrong but it, everybody's different like you know and what I was going to ask you is was there ever a stage do you think that you could have been talked around by a manager or a coach no no like no. So you wouldn't have listened to no. so so the current trend is you know a lot of the players are the problem you know and doesn't matter who the manager is and, and yes Wally going back to your career you know you were a problem for certain managers and you didn't want to commit when things weren't going your way and you didn't want to put the hard hard yards in the, the effort to get break yourself into the team and I would say the same as with Nigel Dunn here he's just a player that you know when the chips are down he's not prepared to work hard for Offaly as a a team and you know he's thrown the the dummy out of the pram once again and to be honest players who got their county teams or any team are better off without them yeah but even in just a McNulty now this is when I was 31 32 and I should have known better I was mature enough but like I mean when you have that fierce desire just to play and you think you can give something so I went back anyways and my weights and all my stats were, were really good. My fitness had moved on brilliantly. I was doing really well on the stats, on the on the weights and the one rep maxes and yeah. all these different tests. And I was doing all right in games, you know. I got one Auburn Cup game. It wasn't great, but I hadn't played since the previous October. So I was thinking, am I in? I think I like, could be in the the plans or whatever mm-hmm. so then the first league game started I was on the bench didn't get brought on heard nothing from McNulty second league game was on the bench didn't get a look in heard nothing from McNulty and I rang McNulty then and I said Justin am I in your plans here because I'm like I mean put in a huge commitment I've heard nothing from you you've given me no feedback um, I need to know where, where I stand I said we've Antrim at home next if I don't see game time in that game well then I just don't see how because like there would be me on the bench six starters and then another two subs coming on so I said like for me looking at the evidence of this so far I'm down eight, nine, ten choice forward here 
and he says well I can't be giving promises to anybody about when it'll be brought on or whatever so then we played Armagh in the third game and I didn't Antrim or Armagh or Antrim sorry I didn't start two forwards brought on ahead of me out the dressing room yeah. door never again voicemail from Justin looking to meet up with me didn't even reply back to him says like up his yeah. he got his warning got <laughs> <Yeah>. his warning <laughs> like, you know what I mean just throw yeah. a dog a bone if I got 10 minutes that day sure I would have stayed I just wanted yeah. something to like yeah. I mean and I thought it was worth it I, I think that's bad management like you know and not only did you give him a warning but I don't think I, could, I deserve to give him a warning I gave him a heads up but that's where I was yeah, thinking but like, sorry, that's, a yeah, warning that's like, is almost like yeah, an ultimatum and I, didn't frame no. it, I didn't frame it like an ultimatum I mean like a mean? warning sign almost for him that he should have reacted to but even he should have been acting before that like not because of your personality and managing that but because you're somebody who was in the leash panel for so long before and you played for Ireland and captain yeah. team so he should know that if you're given this commitment and playing for the Auburn Cup and then not featuring then he should be chatting to you at least and like you should know that you should be aware that this boy might want a few sort of pointers or like know what's happening yeah. so like I, I think a good manager would manage that situation better and try, yeah. and try yeah, to well, keep uh, so what, we don't what know. I think is every manager is different and they manage their own players in the way that they see fit and you know not a, not every manager has the personality to put his arm around a player as well and to discuss things but I, I believe every manager should certainly be advising his players where on pointers where they can improve their game and how they can get into the starting 15 because if you've got a player who's maybe number 20 but competitively trying to get in that starting 15 then you've got a better squad and you know if you're getting that advice and recommendation from the manager then yeah. you're going to be eager to, to continue to impress during training sessions F- Feedback is vital yeah. for managers yeah. That's you need to know where you stand and I do take it like I mean any manager I've had will say about me in that when things are going well for me I'm brilliant to have around the squad but when things are not going well I'm toxic yeah. so why leave a toxic fella around Tell him why he's not on the panel. Mm, don't, yeah. don't, don't piss. I don't want to sound like a, like a threat or anything. Don't, don't, but don't have me going around pissed off because I'll make, yeah. I, I'll cause problems for you. Yeah. <laughs> like that's nothing to brag about, but that's the reality. That's how, what I used to do. Anyways, not, I'm not going to continue on <laughs> talking, running myself into the ground here. Um, another two ones left, lads. Is Dara McVitie? Now I thought this was interesting. It was just a throwaway comment, and I'm going to see what you think of this. This is talking about the the Roscommon game, right? He says you could see in the performance the boys were fighting very hard. We were fortunate when we went to, down to 14 men. I was saying to one of the Roscommon lads, the way we both, the way the both of us play, when you go a man down, it's very very hard. <laughs> I just I, I just shocked at this. Like, if I was beside yeah. Darren McVitie in the field, I'd say, shut your mouth there yeah, talking yeah. to that fella. Like, I mean, is this wrong to be having a chat about stuff like that to a man in a serious league game? Listen, in a competitive game like that, there are absolutely, absolutely no doubt about it. You know, you've got to have your clear focus on, on your own team's intentions to go and win the match or, or do as best possible for, for your team to win. You know, I, I went back obviously to play seconds football last year in goals and I'm more relaxed and I, w- I don't mind having a wee you know one liner with a, with a player in the opposition team from time to time but that's seconds football that's junior football that's the level that is at but yeah. at inter-county level no you a don't. Player, cha- player you never should not be him. having a conversation no. like that there no. during the game yes you don't mind them saying something but you know if it's a topic about a, an incident or something that happens and there's a stop and play but that seems to be like a conversation that's gone on during the game like. I, I was taken aback when how, I saw how, it how do you you know having a conversation with me and you Conan we're marking each other and we're having a conversation then the are you going us, this year Stephen <laughs> then the two of us go for a 50-50 ball who's going to buzz to then you know yeah. but like I mean you hear all these conversations in league games and clubs well how, what are you doing are you yeah. training hard and you see this going on and that's fa- I, I, I don't like it I, but at the same I'll, I'll 
turn a, a kind of a, a blind eye to it or yeah. whatever, a blind ear or whatever you can even say that. <laughs> a deaf ear. But, uh, deaf ear, deaf ear. <laughs> so what, uh, what was it? Oh, the example. So we played Kilmacook Croaks. I always remember when I was in the zone, I hated the Ladders Market. I didn't want to talk mm-hmm. to him. I didn't even want to entertain him. None of the players on the opposition's team did want. And any good game I remember playing, that's the way my mind was working. If I think back to games where I shared a joke with someone if the ball was broken in play, I wasn't playing well at that time. So I think we were playing Kilmacook Croaks. We beat them in the Leinster Club semi-final in 2004. And I ended up uh, working with Brian McGrath who played centre-back for Wicklow and he was on the Kilmacook Croaks team and we we worked together and we were having a chat he says geez I remember when I was marked you in that I was marking you for a point in that game and we both fell to the ground and when I stood stood up I put down my hand to pick you back up and you just slapped my hand away and told me to fuck off <laughs> <laughs> the man tried to help me up off the ground and like I, I didn't want to even entertain his yeah, help you're in the zone now and that's, that's an important game you're in the zone that's it you know you, for me you have to have a level of respect towards your opponent but there, there's a thin line between you know that level of respect and being focused on your own game and that's it you know you've got to have that focus yeah I and then they're so. telling someone to fuck off and they're trying to pick you up I mean, listen even, even when you're in the zone and, and having to focus you, all, you always tell people to fuck off would, you, worry would you have accepted a, ha- a pick up off the ground I by probably would yeah, would yeah I think that's different alright oh, that's just yeah, being a real yeah, bollocks yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were a real bollocks and we know that <laughs> alright we'll come back and we'll talk to Wayne uh, Kieran's. He goes, if you boys are doing God's work, you can do whatever you want in the field. And I kinda, for me, that was a, that was a free pass. <laughs> so, so when you say Mickey takes it to another level, what will he be doing this week? Uh, an extra deck of the rosary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tyrone are queer hawks in the final, and a hawk is a queer bird. So loud sit top of Division 3 on six points and I know we're talking about different divisions but they've gone from the second lowest scorers in the league last year to the highest scorers in the league this year and we have their manager Wayne Kieran's on the show now. It's been a great start for you Wayne. Yeah I could um, well it actually wasn't a, literally wasn't a great start with the defeat in the Longford game but well, yeah. overall over the, over the four games yeah it has been a good start to, the boys b- uh, bounced back really well after the first game and got three good wins um, with different levels of performance but we're certainly happy at the moment how things are going well, Was it difficult to bounce back from that Long- uh, Longford game because you like I mean it's not just a defeat and it was a close game in that first league game but you're coming off the back of a disastrous year last year do you know what I mean so, which probably made the bounce back all that more impressive yeah, I think we were only of ourselves to blame for the Longford game. Um, you know, our, our discipline let us down, and that was the general narrative around the county, is that if we had a kept, kept 15 men in the field, like we probably could have sneaked the win that day, and I probably would definitely agree with that. Um, so, you know, we weren't ultimately um, feeling desperate about the performance. Like, you know, we were, we were, we were annoyed the fact that we let ourselves down a wee bit, keep, you know, getting our men sent off, but... Um, there was there was positive instances in that game that gave us hope for the subsequent games, and you know that's what it turned out to be. Like you know, we we bounced back well. I read an interview you did 
um, in the Irish Times and you said you're not surprised. So a lot of people, especially after seeing that result, would be very surprised to see Loud now top of Division 3, but you as a group um, clearly are not. We, we, ne- we never thought we were we were that bad last year, Colm. I know we, it was a disastrous year, but it was a difficult situation that we were all facing. Like I was part of the management team with Pete and Pete, it was a difficult task for him to come in when he didn't know the players, when there was a turnover of members of the squad leaving and, you know, into the intensity and the, the quality of Division 2. Like, so, you know, we weren't expecting to have eight or ten points in Division 2. Well, looking back, we would have liked to have better performances and obviously have more than zero points. But So when we come in this year, you know, we were, at, I suppose, at a low ebb, but we always felt that the 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 scope for improvement was vast and that we could improve um, the setup and the team and the performances. And that, that's what's happening so far, anyway. Right, OK. Cause that's, so Pete McGraw will come in and he wouldn't really know the players that well, but you're a loud man and you're a selector. That's probably your job then. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> exactly, yeah. So well, like, I have to take responsibility <laughs> for last year as well, equally with everybody else. But, yeah, look, it, it was tough. There's no doubt about it. But as I said to everybody when I was given the job um, that that experience last year or however you know difficult it was would be invaluable in the long run and it's certainly even this year you know it's in, t- in terms of its, the intensity of the schedule of the league games and you know and all the detail required that you have to cover for all the and the work that you have to get done you know it was it was very valuable to myself and of course all the players as well yeah no I'm sure experiences like that did Pete lose the dressing room like I mean the reason I'm asking you that is and obviously you want to be respectful to Pete McGrath who's a legend in the game and has won more than me or you ever ever did or will yeah absolutely um, but like I mean he made some comments after the Carlo game in the championship I think he was asked uh, whether he regretted taking the job and he says you don't regret it but I might say I've made better decisions in my life do you know like to me then looking yeah. at looking from the outside it's like Jesus we were talking about it on the podcast and you're thinking that's not going to go down well well look I suppose no matter what Pete has said at the time it probably wouldn't have went down well because of the fact that we were being beaten in every game I suppose well beaten in every game but you know I'm not sure it's too black or white to say whether we lost the dressing room or not I thought he gave a lot, a lot, a lot of wisdom to the dressing room an awful lot of enthusiasm and experience to you know, to all the guys, it just didn't work out for us. So we were, we you know, we got off to a difficult start, and we couldn't just recover. So I don't think it it would be fair to say, um, you know, that there was an issue with with the manager and the dressing room. Um, you know, it's easy to say the things that the manager and the players have a great relationship when things are going well, but it's probably too easy to go the other way as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. So what would you, would you have learned much from Pete over the course of your, I'm sure in your own head you're in there as a selector and you've been manager of the minors and you're thinking, Jesus, to work under Pete McGrath now for a few years and, you know, maybe get the top job myself um, at some stage would have been in your mind. Yeah, well, I was only too uh, delighted to work with Pete and as I said, his wisdom of the game and, his enthusiasm and knowledge and experience like it was great for me to bounce off and I have to say I got on very well with him um, I suppose there would have been differences in terms of you know the way we see the game and the way I would see the, you know how I would train teams compared to maybe the way Pete would train teams but you know I still think there was an awful lot of value and I got an awful lot of value out of him and as I said, you know, that experience is, is standing me in good stead, hopefully, anyway. Yeah, so what would the differences in how you train train teams be? 
Well, like I'd be more, you know, in terms of um, being more of a games-based approach and, you know, high-intensity training and everything done with the ball. And, you know, we always have whys in our training and, and why we're doing certain scenarios and why we're doing certain condition games. And, you know, maybe uh, Pete, Pete and would have had, had different views and how he trained teams in the past and, you know, so uh, you know there was there was some differences there, but you know there were, there, were, there was no issue really. Right. So Pete, from just listening to that, Pete McGrath is the is a bit like Mick O'Dwyer, where you run the shite out of him until the end of March, then the clocks go forward and you play a load of football. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Look, that's one way of looking at it, but. You know, um, I'll put it more bluntly said, you than know, you. I'll put it more bluntly than yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I, I'd, be, I'd be very, very respectful to Pete. Now I have to say that, yeah. and I, I, you know, as I said, I got, I learned an awful lot from. So um, it was great. It was great to work with him for the years. No doubt about that. Yeah, and know in fairness, I'd say Brian Cody is even still in a little bit of that kind of. Uh, Training system: the clocks go forward, and you get the balls out, and then it's all all hurling. So maybe there's there's it, it, it definitely works. Well, there's, there's no right, yeah. There's no right or wrong way. It's whatever your philosophy and whatever methods you believe in yourself. Yeah, you know what I mean, if that's not totally aligned with another person, then that's not the first time that's going to happen in Gaelic football. So you know, each person has their own ideas and methods, philosophies. You know, I have mine. Everybody. Other people of others. That's not to say anything anybody else's is wrong. Yeah, you you mentioned the whys there, and I thought that was very interesting because, like a lot of managers, will just go out and do a load of drills. Only they might have looked them up on the internet or something, and I've seen different managers doing that, and they think they're great, and there's no real re- rhyme or reason. Now that's okay if you if the drill is just designed to get you fit. But yeah. drill drills should really be trying to improve things that are not going well on the field. And like I mean, without explaining exactly why you're doing that drill, you know, like it's interesting for you to say the why is I didn't know that had become kind of a term now. Well, it's something it's something when when I started out first it was always something that I had in my mind. It says, Why are we going to spend twenty minutes on a particular activity tonight? You know, what are we gonna what value are we gonna get out of it on match day? And you know, so when you start off with a team, you're saying, "Well, I need to get the principles of my game into these players." So your activities are based around that. And then what I find is, and what you find is, as you go along and you play games, and you say, "Well, you know, we're not doing well at this, so we're not doing well at that." So your training is then reactive to, "Well, we need activities to improve X, Y, Z, or A, B, C." And you know, we, we don't we don't train for the sake of you know all all the time these guys spend training. We don't for the sake of spending an hour and a half out in the pitch we have to give value the most possible value and that's why you know every single thing we do we try and say look this is going to give us value against Carlo the weekend this is you know etc etc so yeah. it, it, it's, it, it's a major part of our pitch before every training session yeah no definitely so what kind of style of play we have obviously we only see the big teams on the television so I've only been reading match reports about Loud but like I mean the stats are great 10 goals now one was an own goal a, a crazy apparently own goal against yeah. Offaly but you you blitzed leashed with goals in quick succession and you did the same against Sligo now I know I don't think you can do any work to do that but like I mean are you doing work on scoring goals you're clearly leaving enough forwards up there that you have the ability to score goals well, we're certainly not a 14 man behind the ball team, and that's one thing I would say. You have to be able to create a balance to allow you to score these scores that you're talking about. Um, there's 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 a lot of work gone into building the attacks column and how, what how, what decisions go in, are involved in building the attacks, whether it's long or quick or whether it's short, short, short. So we spend an awful lot of time, and so depending on what the opposition team how they play, you know, we feel that we've good 
options to be able to break them down and, and create. Um, now, uh, to be honest, the, the goals that we're creating at the moment, they wouldn't care. It wouldn't matter what way the teams are setting up. They're that slick and they're that quality of play, and there's that really good decisions being made by the guys. It, it, it's very, very impressive. But you know, we you know, we do spend a lot a lot of time on it. Yeah, I mean, because it's definitely working. There's no doubt about that. None of the minor team from seventeen have made the step up, or, or have I? I've tried to cross-reference some of the teams. Um, I know you were manager of that. Are they ready yet? Um, well, there's some of them on the panel. There's four right. in total on the panel. So, um, you know, that's that's obviously a hugely positive sign. Um, it's a very very young squad now. So. Yeah, one one of them has got game time so far. Dan Cork and cornerback, and then there's there's a subkeeper and there's Owen Callan and Leonard Gray. So they were all all in the 17 minor team, and then from the 16 minor team, there's a, a couple involved as well. So the, the the squad is very young now, I have to say. Right. Okay. Because you're you're managing without Ryan Burns. He got injured. He played well against Leash, and now he's out. Connor Grimes, Kieran Byrne, and their names we would know. So like, I mean, it it, it is really a new loud team. Like I'm looking through it, and I'm thinking, geez, there's none of that kind of household names that you. Andy McDonald's still there. Like, I mean, maybe I'm showing my age of fellas that might have been around when I was there. Yeah, sure. Look, I know all those guys you're talking about too. Like, yeah, and Andy McDonald's still, he's still there and he's still producing seriously quality performances game in, game out. So, yeah, it's it's it, there's a new, there's a freshness to the team. There's no doubt about that with some of the younger players. But like, you still have your Andy, your Bevan Duffy's, your Jim McInerney's, you know, your your Derek Maguire's coming back into the panel now after his exploits with his club, he was um, with the club, junior yeah. All Ireland. Yeah, yeah. So. The, the panel is in a good shape now I have to say we, we'd be delighted with the strength of the panel and you know it, it beckons well for the future and any word on Kieran Byrne how's his ankle like that was horrific what happened to him like he'd be a huge plus um, for, you, for you now when is he looking to be back he'd be back he, he's making great progress like he's out in the pitch doing work um, so the next stage will be just to find out when he can really step up that training over the next week or so so Maybe, you know, it'd be optimistic maybe for him to squeeze in for the end of the league, but we're hoping that he'd be able to play some part in the Championship. So um, we'll have to wait. The Conor Grimes would be very similar. So we'll wait and see. Right. And have you Kieran in around the place? Like, I'm sure, like, his kind of experience on recovery and different training and all the experience he picked up in Australia would be, like, a, a good plus. Absolutely, yeah. He, he's he's with the team pretty much constantly, like, especially now as he's back out in the pitch. And he's been in all the conditioning sessions as well. Um, Connor Grimes the same. So, yeah, Kieran's a, he's a great lad. He's a great he's a great attitude. Um, unfortunately for him, he's been through the rehab process before, so he's aware of what goes on. But he's a great asset to the group. There's no doubt about that. Um, you mentioned discipline there at the start, and that was against Longford. So, like, I mean, you were two men down against Longford. You were down to thirteen men against Offaly as well, and I think against yeah. Leash. Like, I mean, I, I think it's Connor Early who's probably the the worst culprit. Yeah. He was red against Longford, Sinbin against Leash, then a red against uh, Offaly again, and he missed the Sligo game. Like, I mean, is this just youthful enthusiasm, or is there a, is there an issue you need to work on? Ah, well, I think it's, it's a tiny bit of both. It, in fairness, it, it is. It would be youthful enthusiasm. And in fairness, since he came in the start of the year, his training has been absolutely excellent. And there's there's a couple of different things. I think there's over eagerness without a doubt. Um, there's the inexperience. There's the, the just. It can boil down to the technique of the tackle, and it can also boil down to the interpretation of the referees. But 
I think Connor had had a rough time now and just went through a bit of a spell where you know nothing was going right for him and there was a little bit of frustration involved. But he his training overall and his performances when he has been on the pitch have been very good. So we'll stick by him and I think he's he's learning. Um, he has learned probably a lesson already at this stage on on what to do and what not to do. So. It was a little bit of a concern, but I think it's 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 you know it'll be sorted out. Do you play music in the dressing room? Was I reading that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether that's such a, a big thing or not. Really, call them um, they, they play music in the dressing room before the game. Yeah, so um, it's just look, it's it's a personal choice for them, and it's good that there's nothing worse to going in before a game and here in a really quiet dressing room and everybody's quiet as mice. So. Um, you know, I, I I have no problem with it. So they, they, they bang out the tunes. They bang out the tunes. So like you know these fellas, because this is a big fashion thing from seeing Pogba and these lads on coming into the the dressing rooms and they have their own personalised Dr Dre earphones. Have you banned them for the communal music? Uh, well, or first of all, as being a Liverpool <laughs> fan, I can't be talking about Pogba, so we, leave, we have to leave him out. But. Uh, yeah, look at no. It's if if lads are more worried about what sort of earphones they have before a game and you know how well their hair styles are and you know I don't think to be too welcome in the loud squad. But I don't think if anybody wants to have a quiet time before the game and listen to music, I don't think there's a problem with that either. So it's just look, it's just what the individual's taste. Because it was uh, it was the in the it was in the local paper in the the local paper that I was reading on the match report. It was after the Offaly game after an OG by one of their players, and there was music going on in the loud restroom. I'd say, yeah. like I mean, I'd say the Offaly lads were walking past there going, "These feckers." Yeah, I know that was a difficult one for Offaly to take. In fairness, um, it was a bizarre ending to it, to a, a crazy game. Yeah. Really, their own, their own the, man the kicked the ball into the net, did he? He did, yeah. Um, right, basically, literally the last kick of the game, the keeper kicked it out, and the referee blew the whistle. So you know, but look, we'd look at it from the overall point of view um, is that we definitely deserve something out of the game. So. Without doubt, the instance of luck went for us uh, in that in that game. Yeah, because you can be a good manager, a great manager, but if you if you have a bit of luck as a manager, is better than any other quality. I think that uh, that you might have. Come here, is Carlo's up next? Then um, this is on Saturday night away, and you know all about Carlo. Yep. Like I mean, their system is well well flagged, and you played them in the championship last year. So I'm sure all the training is geared around you know working outside yep. the screen and maybe how you transition then when you when you break them down and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. The the good thing, like you do, you have. We've watched Carlo now for a number of years with Torek and Stevie Poacher. Like, so it's it's pretty clear what way they play. But you know, it's it's really only be ten percent to be Carlo and ninety percent of ourselves. You know what I mean? Maintaining our performance levels. There's definitely. I would I wouldn't deny there's there's, there's things you know identified and things that we've been working on for Carlo. But the majority of it is still trying to maintain and improve what we're doing ourselves. So. You know that's obviously what we're looking to do again this weekend, um, and hopefully, you know, the performance levels of the past uh, few games will will continue. Like that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Well, listen. Best of luck with it, and best of luck for the year. I'll keep my ear out for the music for any of those matches I'm 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 covering. You're playing in. No bother, Colin. Thanks. Thanks a million. I work as a policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out and they're roaring at me, hey Toffrey, you free state bastard. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and, and, and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> Two big games for me this weekend. There's obviously a really big game in Connacht with Mayo and Galway. We're not going to focus on that one in Paddy Power Predictions because um, I feel that we've talked about Mayo probably an awful lot and Galway too. So I think the two big games of the whole weekend for me are in Division 2 and it's Armagh versus Donegal in Bally Buffet and that's on Saturday night and thankfully that's on Air Sport 2 so it's on at 7.15 so I'm watching that and so are you Conan oh, I'm just telling you now <laughs> um, we're both going to wa- we'll watch that and I'll tell Keelan to watch it and we'll, we'll talk about that on Monday and give Division 2 a little bit and the other big one of the weekend is Kildare and Mead um, at 2 o'clock in Park Talton we know Division 2 is heating up big yeah. time and we know they're two very very close closely uh, you know contested games although I think Donegal are, are favourites um our favourites against Armagh I think it's 8-15 to 15 or something like that but like I mean this is a must win for Donegal and Armagh Stevie because like r- yeah. the reality is that the losers of this are all of a sudden in serious relegation trouble yeah a must win for both teams and <clears throat> you know a few weeks back we were probably looking at the the teams in Division 2 and we were saying Donegal and Armagh will be towards the top end of that there and you know Donegal in recent years have you know haven't lost two games in a row that's something that we we don't we haven't become accustomed to with Donegal teams and particularly given the fact now that they are playing at home you know it certainly puts them in in a much stronger position going into this game Armagh <coughs> they've been you know up and down they've they, they've drawn games where they should have won you know they they had good good result last weekend against Tipperary after Tipperary beating Donegal so you know where exactly are are these teams at at the minute we know Donegal are missing the Guido players to pro- quite possibly have them back this weekend See, I think Odin McNeilish he's, you know, he's, sta- he's standing out now for three or four weeks like I mean yeah. he's taking a break so you're only Neil McGee Neil McGee is still uh, you know he's a he's no a I know he's a plus but like I mean I do think that this thing the Guido lads like yeah. I mean that they've well, not Mulligan, only the Mulligan and Carroll yeah. and these lads but they're more p- squad players but not only Guido players you know I know Michael Murphy stripped out last week he didn't yeah. see game time but Michael Murphy you know I would expect to see game time this weekend against Armagh and he's the biggest plus going into it you know from a Donegal point of view both teams are sitting on four points Armagh I think it's four points isn't it yeah Armagh is slightly above them on, on score difference but you know it's all's not lost for any of these teams you know they'll go up with the confidence believing that they will be able to get a result if Armagh win it puts them in a very strong position if Donegal win it puts them in a very strong position and the reason why it puts them in a strong position the teams above them Armagh Meath, Kildare and Fermanagh all have had an exceptionally good uh, league campaign to date but they all play each other you know Meath play Kildare this weekend Fermanagh have to play Meath um, Kildare have to play um, or Meath have to play Fermanagh Kildare have to play they, they're basically what I'm saying is they're all playing each other so yeah, they are so, so, they'll so take, they'll there's, team, there's teams going to be dropping points there somewhere along the line so you know a win is vital for Donegal and for Armagh this weekend but to lose that game you know it definitely puts them in the mix for the drop and that's what they don't want to be doing yeah I think Rory Grugan was on the show recently Conan and he made a good point and this is Armagh closing our games Armagh should be on six points here like I mean the reality of that they should have beaten Kildare they should have beaten a Clare four points up in injury time and realistically 
they should have beaten me to get get it back to a point with 10 minutes to go with a gale force mm. wind and I thought he made a good point because it was a really good interview and like I mean he's got a future potentially in punditry because he talks tactics really naturally and he was talking about uh, maybe the kicking game like which they strongly believe in yeah. maybe it's a little bit too high risk when you're four points up in injury time like just hold on to the ball there and work it through the hands and yeah. change your game a bit because like I mean we talk about the defensive teams being blinkered and, and married to a system you don't want to go the other way and be married to a kicking game which is a bit high risk yeah. when you want to close yeah. a game out and then be too naive then the other way like yeah, yeah. it's just game management like know when to strike that's game management yeah. and know when to hold the ball and yeah when you're four points up then it should like nobody will ever like there's not going to be a story done about Armagh holding the ball for the last three minutes you know they're four points up they've done the work just hold on to the possession and now I know that Clare game though they'll probably point to the hand pass goal from Clare and you know, yeah, the, like a couple of dodgy decisions. It was a referee. Yeah, but, but it doesn't matter about the dodgy decisions. I was at that game and <clears throat> Claire kept within touching distance of Armagh. And once you do that, I, I remember it was four points in the game in the last few minutes. I said, Claire, get a point here. You know, a high ball into the square will cause Armagh problems. And that's exactly how they, how they ended up getting a, a draw out of that game. And Armagh have had opportunities in games where they should be maybe four, further than four or five points up and the game should be dead and buried but they haven't been clinical last week against Tipperary they showed more of a clinical side to them and probably more of a patient element to to their game in the second half but they need to they need to play um, with that their I suppose conviction knowing that in the last ten minutes no matter what the, their opponents throw at them the game it, it won't affect the game they had Charlie Vernon playing wing forward the last day because we talked about balance here. And yeah. like I mean, the talent they have up front is uh, is outrageous because we didn't even mention Jack Rugan, like I mean, who performed brilliantly for his club and is a lethal finisher. Yeah. Like we didn't even mention him into the mix, and he's in the mix. And Andrew Mernon's coming back, and like I mean, they have Jamar Hall, who's played most of league games wing yeah. forward. He wouldn't be the most physical fellow, but kind of industrious, he's a, he's a serious worker. So yeah, a worker. But Vernon, Vernon is going to be working as well. So it looks yeah. like they're going with the four forwards up. And then the working, which for me, if I was manager of a team, that would be kind of the way I would have them set up. Yeah, and, and another player that you probably haven't mentioned there is Aidan Nugent, who's been coming on in the last couple of games as a sub, and probably over the last five years consecutively, you know, he's been the top scorer in our leagues with Cully Hanna, so he's an out-and-out scorer as well. But, you know, I do think it's important for, for Kieran McGinney to find that right mix and right blend in, in terms of his forward line and get the workers in the team in, in, in the Ford unit as as well as the finishers and you know um, I'm looking at Jamie Clark playing on the inside line as well and, and Jamie was held scoreless last week you know all, all the other five um, forwards starting you know contributed to the scoreboard and maybe Jamie's being double marked when he's playing that close to goal so maybe he's got the he's, he's got the I suppose awareness to create and the crea- creativity to be an exceptional player out, out around the half forward line as well so maybe let Jamie have the licence to roam as well and yeah. that might create more opportunities for the likes of Stephen Campbell um, inside um, alongside Ryan O'Neill as well Well Stephen Campbell and Ryan O'Neill like they're big strong fellas this yeah. time of the year this isn't the time of the year for Jamie Clark let's be honest I mean, he's only home he's only back after a year out after being in America sometimes you can put a little bit too much pressure on yourself mm-hmm. I've done that myself Jeez, I'd love to get back in off to a great start mm. and like I was in a way Jamie Clark will do his business in the championship do you know what I mean I don't yeah. wouldn't worry about him at all it's just this time of the year Jamie can't get away from his yeah, man and he's been pawed at and you know yourself from a forwards point of view you know your primary job in any, t- in any game is to get scores for your team and you know regardless of how good Jamie is and regardless of, of all the talent that Jamie has 
you know, when he takes to the field, he sees himself as a scorer and he needs to be chipping that ball over the bar and he needs to be putting balls in the back of the net and that does his confidence no harm. The more games that Jamie goes scoreless, you know, going into the championship campaign in particular, it's not going to do his confidence any good. And I go back two yeah. years ago, you know, against against Down when Armagh went in heavily fancied to beat Down in, in the championship in, in, in the marshes in Yuri, he was held you know that day too and he, he was limited in what he, he, he created and that came off the back of uh, a disappointing league campaign that year as well so you know Jamie has to be fighting scores for his team to build his confidence up as much as possible too. There, there is more to his game than scoring though right because he, yeah. he can be the first man out and leave yeah. two in and, and actually set and, them and, up and that's why I say give him the freedom to go wherever he roam I think because Jamie, Jamie has a creative side about him he's that a great creative side yeah, yeah. yeah he does he's like the gooch in that manner yeah. Like he's not just a, a heavy scorer I, th- I think that is his best position almost like the, the Jason Doherty role where you leave yeah. the two inside and the you one in front of the other two you yeah. if you want but I remember taking stats when they beat Tipperary down in Thurlis in that yeah. amazing championship game and the amount of ball he picked up around the 45 and it was long direct ball and they were looking for him every time and yeah. he had the whole 45 like he was being marked by Robbie Kelly, who was trying to stick to him but he couldn't couldn't get near him because Jamie Clark was just buzzing he had too much space out there yeah. and then when he gets it he's got so much creativity to turn to play any sort of ball run at you do you know like yeah. actually I really like that Charlie Vernon is pushed into a more sort of midfield role because I never liked him at fullback because I think yeah. it was more of a necessity and I always remember him playing with Queens and he was like this legend well, you see having, having James Morgan back now allows yeah. you need to push Charlie further out the field as well you know and without, without James James Morgan in the fullback line you're missing that huge presence there so you know he is a, a plus having him back there I, I often think the Charlie Vernon thing it was like I mean it's like these fads that when Kieran Donaghy went in full forward we start playing Noel Garvin full forward and I remember when Cormac Macken Allen went from midfield to full back suddenly the fashion thing was okay yeah. let's start converting yeah. midfielders into full backs mm-hmm. and Vernon f- kind of went into that kind of category and for me he's never been a full back like I yeah. mean he's I don't think no he's no that. Charlie Charlie's problem is that he's always been a versatile player you could almost throw him any in any position but one of Charlie's best years was going back to 2010 on the Paddy O'Rourke and um, Paddy consistently played him a wing half forward that particular year you know you're going to get a, a level of work rate out of Charlie and he's got the, the power to break line, uh, gain lines as well and he does love driving a 30-40 yard uh, pass so he does so you know maybe playing Charlie in a position like that there where work rate is expected is the best place to put him yeah so like I mean I really like that setup. so you have Rian and you have Stephen Campbell inside you have Jamie Clark on the top of the D ahead of him and you have Rory Grugan on the 45 ahead of Jamie Clark oh, so, so, Ro- so Rory Grugan is breaking into midfield by the time he picks up ball he's turning around because he's got a great brain he's given yeah. lovely diagonal cross field balls to Jamie who probably picks it up on the 45 by the time he gets out to it or yeah. right or left who's then turning around and who's got the brains and the creativity to give lovely diagonal balls into the two lads. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Now, the only problem with that, and that's how I would love to have a team set up, what happens when Jamie Clark and Rory Grugan's men just feck off up the field? Like it no. ruins. <coughs> but seriously, this is how a lot of shapes are being yeah, ruined. Yeah. They're being ruined to, by to these be attacking fair, cornerbacks that are ruining the shape of games. Those boys do do work quite hard for the team, but you know, do you get, don't no, don't get not, carried it's away. A, it's don't, not about their work. No, rate. I'm taking the point that even if you have that, that's our attacking formation. Yeah. That that's out the window. Don't want them working that's back. Don't, the don't get carried away by by you know names on the Armad team, whatever. And and maybe we have you know. They got caught in this trap in recent times, you know, getting carried away with, you know, expectations of the Armagh forward line. They are all quality players, they are all good players, like there is in many county teams. But for them to become, you know, what we 
believe they can become they've got to pull it together they've, they've got to you know start consistently playing well together linking up play together you know creating opportunities and being ruthless in front of goals together as a team not just as individuals as a team and until then you know I will still be slightly concerned about you know the quality of, of the overall Arma forward line but there's great potential in it there's no denying that With what you're saying with the four forwards like if there's still ten outfielders back that should be enough right? Like to No but see all the te- look, look, watch Dublin how panicked the minute you let one go I do accept that but once they break through a line you're kind of scrambling do you know what I mean once they penetrate that like I do accept somebody else can pick them up but why I, I, I kind of take your point but why is no team ever letting them on why, why is <laughs> that not a thing because it seems to be they're so panicked about an overlap because an overlap messes you up or an overlap might pull a zonal, yeah. might pull one of your zonal players out of the position and you think you're left wide open they seem to be terrified of just letting it back on yeah. and, and we've talked about this on Monday you could nearly chance it a couple of times and see can you get away with it and yeah. put manners on him because that, yeah. that that kind of game of cat and mouse has been going on for years you never see that game of cat and mouse now yet it's almost like if you're not working like a dog and tracking him yeah. you're come on off like yeah. it's a prerequisite <laughs> that you'll track your man and I think if it gets to the point like you're saying that it messes up your attacking shape which is really important to yeah. any team What's the point of it then, really? The defensive shape, I suppose, needs to be just completely down. You need to know exactly what you're doing. And, like, it's to get those overlaps working, like the cornerbacks going forward, they, like the other team, will need to have men wide who are just wide to try and pull your defence wide. But they're no threat to you out there, really. So the other team needs to realise, like, the danger is in here and we need to plug this gap. We'll have three, four boys tagging men. But then the rest of us need to stay in here. And no matter if the ball is going out wide or my man's going out wide forget about them we can all shift over together but they need to sort of act together do you know what I mean a move as a a unity I know it doesn't happen then because people panic but they do need to just sort of start being smarter and realise where the the danger is and that that will leave Clark up you'd love to see Clark or Grugan just saying a chance at this time ball breaks down Clark picks it up completely unmarked on the 45 and his attacking fella who's just running up just to try and drag him away manners put on him now let's see you actually mark your man (laughs) 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 oh I have a serious problem with this like these fellas they're just ruining good forwards for nothing what are you going to do when you even go up there? Like, get <laughs> back down the field. I hate it. I really do hate. I do. I think that if if you have three forwards and three backs, three three man markers and three ta- three taggers and three forwards, yeah. and they can't come outside their forty five, I think that would put great shape on the game. And that traditionally, that's not really anything crazy. Yeah. It's just your full forward line, full full back line that you're not coming out. Yeah, but it, uh, that's never going to happen either. Why so wouldn't not, it happen? I, I don't think it's ever going to happen. But listen, a. F- a forward that thinks like a forward that thinks about getting scores consistently for his team knows that he's got to work hard when he is dragged out of his position you know he should be back in a, a more attacking position within 10 seconds of being dragged out of it when the play stops or breaks uh, down it's harder when you're tracking back and then you're doing all this tackling and then uh, then it's, not, no, it's not uh, listen uh, it's not if a player Do thinks like a forward he will get straight back up that field no but, like, but he's, only, he's only after spending like say 90 seconds tackling and going side to side and no, then he has I to run 100 so. yards listen, I've, and then I've be done creative. it myself I, you know you get back up the field as soon as possible you can get your breather once you get back up there and that's it yeah, but then so you're on the attack, so you are compromised yeah, in the ty- you, same you, type no, of energy you, that you would no, have had no, if you hadn't no, got you, That's just basic physiology. No, it's, it's, it's wrong. You, you can get yourself into an attacking position, but create space for other players. Yeah, but uh, that, that's the problem with Clark, though. Like, he can't create space for other players. He's the one everybody wants to get on the ball. Do you know what I mean? Like, So I could run up and just be like, oh, well, yeah, I'd be happy enough if Jamie was being double, triple marked and leaving the, le- leaving the likes of Ryan O'Neill free. Absolutely delighted with that all day long. Stephen Campbell free on a one-on-one situation. I'd take that all day long. 
Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, listen. We've concentrated on Mar- Armagh, which we really concentrate. Armagh are probably the one team we talk about it's outside of Division One. Uh, and and it's you. It's your fault. <laughs> no, I, know I get a lot of fun. abuse for it. But yeah, it's you that brings them up all the time. <laughs> Do certain teams interest me? They interest yeah. me, and Armagh are one of those teams at the moment, and they, they just interest me. That there's there's talking points around them always. Um, you know it's just throwing if they stop just throwing away leads we might stop we might uh, <laughs> if Rory Grugel yeah. wasn't so good talking about their tactics we might not talk about them like I mean they just keep giving me material um, right well we'll talk our cu- accumulators here lads um, before we finish up so I'm going for a 9 to 1 like I'm having a nightmare with these accumulators so like I mean anyone that follows my accumulators you need your head red if you're being honest so this is a 9 to 1 I'm trying to tighten it in because I my confidence is very low so I got two right and two wrong last week um, so this week I'm going for Mayo at 8 to 13 to beat Galway at home um, I think Mayo just simply have to bounce back Galway we know aren't full at full strength Mayo are pretty much at full strength now with everybody uh, filtering back in McHale Park the record against Galway has been absolutely horrific and continued on in the FBD with James Horn and he'll want to write that because Mayo never lost to Galway under Horn the first time I think they will, they'll beat um Galloway at home and actually if they beat Galloway at home and Kerry win it still puts pressure on Dublin potentially not making the league final so they'll all yeah. want that I think they'll all they'll all they'll, they're all going to want that um, Kildare I'm going for to beat Mead I think Kildare a fantastic price at 5-4 to four. Kildare really have the Indian sign over Mead in recent uh, years Mead, Mead like I've been very down on Mead for, for, for since the start of the league and listen they've been doing very well there's no doubt about that they've been winning games whether they've been overly impressive in their performances that's up for debate because um, just listening to Keane isn't exactly raving about them mm. like this is a team that could potentially go up and stay you know what I mean mm. I don't think they're at that level um, you have to remember Mead lost to Longford in the championship last year and struggled in division two and they're on six points they're at the top but a loss against Kildare and another loss and suddenly you're third from bottom the way that, the way that <laughs> yeah, league yeah. is going so um, it's actually interesting they keep missing Donica Boyle had some stats on this said they went they were fifth last year they had to win their last two games against Down and Loud to stay in Division 3 like I mean and that's kind of how I was I tipped them to go down I'd forgotten I'd tipped them to go down but anyways then he had a stat since Mead came back into Division 2 in 2014 Eight different counties, Donegal, Monaghan, Down, Galloway, Kildare, Tyrone, Cavan and Roscommon, twice each, have been promoted to top flight and they haven't. And they've gotten third, they've gotten third yeah. two or three times and then they've been nearly in relegation bother and they just never so, really... Yeah, well the result this weekend against Kildare will put them... Oh, they'll put them in the driving seat. Driving I just seat. don't yeah. think they'll do it. I, I tipped against Kildare last yeah. last week thinking they were missing a lot of players and then Tommy Mulek starts in midfield, Paddy Brophy's back in the mm-hmm. forwards and did a full forward line of Jimmy Highland, Ben McCormick and Neil Flynn and suddenly Kildare looked really look strong different side, different and, they're, side, yeah. and they're really back into the mix. So based on based on Tipperary's re, or Kildare's recent form against Mead um, and with the big players coming back into contention, I think uh, I'd be going for Kildare in that one. That's five to four. That's a great price, I think. I'm going for Leash at four to seven to bounce back against Longford. Leash usually beat Longford, especially at home. Um, and that's four to seven. And I've Wicklow down at four to five to beat Wexford, Wexford. who are having an absolute nightmare. Maybe Bottom of Division Four. <coughs> My God, the morale must be absolutely at an all time low. I think Wic- Wicklow will beat them. Those four Mayo, Kildare, Leash, Wicklow, nine to one accumulator. Don't get on it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've gone seventy one because my confidence is shot as well. Yeah. Um, I, I had one wrong last week. Um, you got three or four. Yeah, Jeez, we're for celebrating down, that. Yeah. Down, down must have been listening to the show in the changing room before the game. They we're, got a load of goals. Sir. Yeah, we were all predicting uh, Longford to win, but I've gone with Mayo as well. Um, I've gone with Tip. That division two is like this weekend is like the perfect group, like set of fixtures. Everybody yeah. you could want playing yeah. are playing. Like so, I've gone with Tip because they're playing Cork, but both of those teams also need to win because they're both playing each other and they're both in the relegation zone um, I think Tip will turn them over gone with Leash against Longford and I've gone with Antrim against Waterford back on the horse after beating Long or London last week they've been very unlucky they lost to Derry by a point they lost to Leitrim by a point both of those teams have won all their games you know, so Antrim just sort yeah. of like you were saying about the draws of Armagh Antrim could have gone the other way you, know, you well. see Antrim have been up to Division 3 and back down and up and back yeah. down they, yeah. the Antrim really are too good for 4 like they will look at that as really disappointing well, like, they're they sitting on 2 points yeah. you know there's teams there's Derry are sitting on 8 I know Derry's head and shoulders above anyway yeah. but they've Le- lost Le- against Le- also sitting on 8 points they lost well, against so. the top 2 teams yeah. like Le- they'd be very disappointed I'm saying yeah. losing you know they're not when you say they've been unlucky, they really should should be beating. I would Leitrim, actually just I, I would say that they are a Division Four team at the minute. They've got a lot of flair players that you would probably expect more from them. But I think the level that they're at at the minute is Division Four, and and probably they should look to you know play Division Four instead of going up and back down. It doesn't do them any good as as a county. Go up when the time's right for for them going up. Right, well, maybe they think this year's the time's right, I, Steve. Well, it's not going to happen <laughs> now at this stage. So. It ain't going to happen. Okay, give us your one there. And I want some feedback on how your last accumulator went. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> oh, it went badly. It's, been, it's, it's been a while, but I know none of us have, have had any, and have we? Well, I, I'd actually. I'd, I'd being actually close, question, being I, close isn't getting it in. I'd question if any of the three of us have ever got one up. <laughs> okay, right. Well, I'm going for the handicap bets all week here. So, um,. Four games, it's around 18 to 1. 18 to 1. Yeah, so Kerry minus three to beat Monaghan. At home. Yeah, at home. So I think that's a good bet, um, particularly after the result, their victory last week against Galway. And Monaghan just aren't going um, as well as what they had well, been. Monaghan have lost three well, in a row. Yeah, now. three in a row. And, you know, I know they travelled, I think, to Kerry last year and got they a result. Won. They? they won yeah, there, yeah. So, um, but I, I think. Doing that two years in a row is going to be an, uh, an extremely difficult task. Next one is Tyrone, minus four. I think Tyrone are home to Cavan, is it? Yeah. yeah well, so you should know who they're at home to now. You shouldn't have <laughs> yeah. to think that no, if you're no, going no. minus four. No, no. But hey, <laughs> they're just, they just moving well. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Last weekend against Monaghan, you know, there was a, a different side to them. They started to put more scores on the board as well, and, and they'll do their conference no harm. Down minus three um, at home to Offaly on Saturday night. I think Down have they've surprised me by some of the results they've they've got. Um, last week against Longford away was was a very important result, and it put them in the driving seat for promotion. So I think you know the confidence is high there now with, with a number of their key players, and they'll kick on and beat awfully uh, comfortably this weekend at home. And the last one is Westmead minus two. Um, Westmead are playing um, Sligo. So away to Sligo uh, yeah away to Sligo Sligo sitting bottom of the league and I think um, those four teams so it's Kerry Tyrone Down and Westmead you're slightly cheating by going with two from three division three when you're to pick one from each four but I'm going to let you away <laughs> with it um, for today you can't you're not allowed I, to pick I two wasn't results. told or made aware of oh you are you'll have to read <laughs> no, back no, through no. your text messages now because I know you like to send me all messages well too. I don't want to be reading out all the messages you sent me <laughs> <laughs> alright okay well that's it so there's the accumulators take what you want from that um, maybe if you did a mix and match from all our predictions you might get a winner <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right we'll be back on Monday as usual with a, a review show we'll talk to you then good luck 
yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing asses for f***ing years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.